Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Hey everybody, this is Stefan Gonick from single-to-soulmate.me. This is our monthly Q&A call for the uh, Single to Made Breakthrough Program. And I've got people uh, on the call who, uh, some of them have called in with a phone, so they'll be able to talk to me directly by pressing star 8, uh, which will raise your hand, letting me know that you want to talk, and then I call on you, and then we can talk. And then there's also going to be people who are you know, listening online, and they are able to submit chat messages to me. So if you're one of the online people, you'll notice there's a little chat box, and just go ahead and, and type in your chat message. Uh, the one weird thing is, is that the chat box looks like it will just scroll, and you can type in as long a message as you want, but there's some kind of bug in this system where it will only show me the first four lines. So if, you're, if your message is longer than four lines, Type the first four lines, submit it, and then type some more lines, and you know, just keep doing that until you get it all done. Because otherwise, it'll get cut off after four lines, and I won't get the rest of your message. So, in any case, and I also have some uh, questions uh, questions that people have emailed to me in advance, and so I'll be answering those as well. So, if you're on the phone, press star eight to let me know that you would like to talk, and then I can call on you. And if you're listening online, you know, feel free to type a chat message to me at any time, and I'll just read it to everybody and respond verbally rather than type back. All right, so I, here's a question I'm going to uh, start with here that I received online. I mean, I received as an email while I'm waiting for the, the people on the call to, to signal me. So it goes like this. Doing all this EFT work lately with you, I realize I'm afraid of commitment. My mother overprotected me, and I feel like I lived inside a bubble my mother created that didn't allow me to do much of what I wanted. I've had depression because of that, and I needed to live by myself to get rid of her bubble killing me. Even nowadays when I meet her, she tries to treat me as if I was still inside her damn bubble, telling me what to do and what not to do. I don't obey and not discuss anymore, but inside, I feel pissed off when she does that. First of all, I'm glad that you feel pissed off now when she does that. Uh, some days ago, I understood that, although I really want understood that, although I really want to have a husband and my own family. Deep inside, I think that a serious relationship will put me inside that same bubble again. I'm a Gemini, so I need to feel my freedom and have space to have fun. So I'd like some advice and help on how to manage to change this block in my mind. All right, so that's a, that's a really interesting situation that you're, you're in. Uh, obviously, it's a very hard one. So I'm going to start answering this question by, by talking in general a little bit first, so this will apply to more people. Basically, there are two universal fears that people tend to have around relationships. Aside from you know, all sorts of other fears that you could potentially have, there's these two 
that everybody has at least one of these two, and sometimes you have both. And that is the fear of abandonment and the fear of engulfment. Right? So the fear of abandonment can kind of go in a couple different flavors. You know, fear of being rejected is the fear of abandonment. Right? So abandonment can abandonment can happen in one of two ways. Either the person leaves, sort of literal abandonment, or they send you away, kind of banishment. But they're both under the category of fear of abandonment. So, you know, being pushed away, which is rejection, is under the under the category of fear of abandonment, or afraid that somebody will just leave you, is again fear of abandonment. And that fear of abandonment really influences our behaviors. You know, make us kind of clingy and people pleasing and all sorts of stuff that can you know that can that fear can cause us to do. Now, <clears throat> that's obviously not your fear. Uh, your fear is the other one, the fear of engulfment. And again, there's a couple different flavors of that. But the idea of a fear of engulfment is either the the parent or parents were too smothering, too close. You know, it's kind of like they're loving, but like too much. Like you know, it's like we all need space at times. And like I'm getting no space. You know, it's like my mother loves loves me all the time. It never leaves me alone. I never get any space. I never time to myself. I never, you know, I never get any independence. Things like that. So that sort of smothering love. Um, that causes the fear of engulfment. And the other category is uh, being, a parent being very controlling, which is what you were describing, where there's a sense of, uh, again, I'm not, I'm not being allowed my independence. I'm being told what to do and not to do. And you know their reins are too tight. They're too controlling, too, uh, n- you know, not giving us space, not allowing us independence not you know not having this healthy mix of togetherness and separateness things like that right so the fear of abandonment means there's too much separateness fear of engulfment is there's too much closeness of either form either smothering love or too much control so what do we do you know the outcome of fear of engulfment is the opposite of clinginess it's it's this feeling of being afraid of closeness right closeness is a little dangerous it's. I feel like I'm afraid that if I get close, I'll lose my independence. Um, that's actually the one that I, I dealt with, by the way. So, you know, when I was an adult, of the two universal fears, mine was a fear of engulfment. So for me, it was hard for me to let down my guard all the way. You know, as much as I wanted to be close and be intimate and have a good, close, loving relationship, I noticed I was maintaining some emotional dif- distance from my partners. Uh, I also had a fear of commitment, and you know, as I kind of felt into it, it was the fear became for me, you know, is it, will it be okay once I get married to be myself, right? Or do I now have to do whatever my spouse wants me to do? You know, do I lose all sense of independence in a marriage, or do I retain independence, right? So, is it possible for me to be married and have both a commitment? life commitment and closeness and still retain independence so I can still do things that I like, even if my wife doesn't necessarily like everything that I'm doing. You know, if it's important to who I am, I can still do those things. So that was the thing I had to wrestle with, and that's the thing that you're wrestling with, basically. It was you're told what to do all the time. So there's going to be a big thing for you about not wanting to feel that, sense, that, that feeling of somebody's going to be telling me what to do. 
Now, the cool thing is that as an adult, the, ra- the reality is, is that nobody can tell you what to do. People can try and tell you what to do. You're noticing already with your mother that she's, when you see her, she tries to tell you what to do, but she, she doesn't have the ability to control you anymore like she did when you were a child. You know, as, a child as a child, we're truly not independent. We are dependent on our parents, and our parents have the ability to control us if they want to. Uh, but as an adult, that's no longer true. And so we have that advantage, but we still have the kid feeling of the fear of being controlled. And so we kind of, as, as we're trying to heal this issue, we go through stages. So in the beginning stage, a lot of people just are very controllable because they grew up controlled, and you know they're afraid to break free of that. You know, which is, uh, can, you know, there can be a lot of fears around that: fear of losing, you know, mother's love, fear of hurting her, fear of of uh, not being lovable, not being okay, things like that. Uh, the next stage is the anger stage, which is one the stage you seem to be in, which is a, a good, healthy progression, right? Which is, no, you know, you're not going to tell me what to do. And, I, you know, I can do what I want to do. I am an independent adult. I'm, I, I'm free to make my own choices. I'm free to do what I want. So that's the next stage. It's a healthy stage. But if we stay in that stage, then we kind of have this big guard up. Like, you can't tell me what to do. You know, I meet somebody and say, yeah, but you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> right? And it's true you, they cannot tell you what to do, but there's this like chip on our shoulder, right? It's like we're, we're afraid that they're going to try to. We don't feel confident in our ability to be independent. So we have our, our, it's kind of like we have our fists up ready to fight. So we want to get to the place where I, I, you know, where I feel confident that, you know what, I can do what I want. And, yeah, my partner may have a reaction sometimes. I may have to deal with that. But I can do what I want. Doesn't mean I'm going to totally disregard my partner's feelings. I'm not. You know, I will try and accommodate my partner's feelings and her and her or his needs as best I can, but not at the expense of myself. You know, because both of our needs matter. Both of our needs count. So, you know, I'll, I will do my very best to try and accommodate both my needs and your needs, my partner. But if there's if I can't quite do that, you know, I, I will still be me and, and do things that are important to me. So how do we so that's the kind of final healthy stage where closeness becomes possible because I can let down my guard. It's the it's that having that guard up that makes closeness difficult. It makes commitment scary, makes even when you're in a relationship, makes you hold back and maintain a certain emotional distance, things like that. So we don't want to we want to be able to get past that. So one of the ways we do that therapeutically or growth growthfully, is um, a few things. One is to do more anger work in relation to mom, not with her in real life, but, you know, therapeutically in, in, in your tapping, where you uh, get really angry. Because the anger you're feeling now, it makes, her, it makes you angry when she tries to do that, shows that you haven't worked through all the anger yet. Your anger is totally legitimate. You know, feeling controlled your whole childhood would, would, you know, very legitimately result in a big backlog of anger around it. But we, but and the goal here then is to tap it all out. So it's like, yeah, totally legitimate this anger. It's, it's totally makes sense. You have every right to be angry. And in order to be to let down the guard, though, we need to keep tapping until we we clear out all the anger. 
So what you want to do is just some big ranting tapping sessions. You imagine mom in front of you, like in a, sitting in a chair in front of you or standing in front of you, whatever, and you get really angry, yelling and screaming, truly yelling and screaming. You know, when I work with clients one on one, I'm encouraging them to just scream at the top of their lungs that you know it is not okay. So that when you're expressing the anger, you don't want to get it too wordy about it. You want to come to, come down just a couple messages. You keep repeating over and over again as you're tapping to, to help express the anger in a healthy, stand-up-for-yourself way. And that is, the messages are basically, in every case, in, you know, when we're working through anger, is what you're doing is not okay, and you name it more specifically than that, obviously. You know, telling me what to do all the time, trying to control me all the time, that is not okay, and I'm furious at you for doing that. Not okay with me. And you just keep just going back and forth between those two statements, basically. Uh, and, and as you keep working through the anger, and you keep doing it, uh, you know you, you may or may not get it all out in one tapping session, but do it for as long as you can. And then, at the end of it, when you feel like you've really gotten a lot of it out, all of it, or at least a good chunk of it, as much as you can do in one tapping session, then imagine a reformed version of your parent who... Uh, apologizes to you for doing what they did and acknowledges that it was their thing, that it wasn't your fault, uh, and expresses love to you. And then imagine a new future, as you keep tapping, you're tapping the whole time, imagine a new future where this, this sort of magically transformed version of your mother in this case uh, acts so differently with you. doesn't try and control you anymore in your case or whatever the negative behavior was. And instead, is very accepting, loving, encouraging, things like that. So if you can, I know it might be a stretch, but imagine that somehow there's truly a magic wand that we can use to heal your mother's issue or your father's issue completely so that they don't have this controlling thing anymore or whatever the negative trait was, and they're now able to be loving and then just kind of spend a few minutes imagining this alternate alternate childhood experience. And what you'll discover if you do that a number of times is that you'll get the anger out, you'll, you'll be able to let your guard down from a place of knowing that, you know, I can still take care of myself. I can still do what I want. I'm not going to be controlled. Nobody can control me in truth. Um, but I, and I don't need the, my guard up anymore. So now commitment doesn't feel so scary, you know. And I don't need, you know, my guard. I, and I'm allowed, I'll let myself be close to my partner because I'm not going to be worried about getting engulfed again. That kind of stuff. So, that, so this is the way you, you address that so that um, you can work through the, the engulfment fear. Now, interestingly, just one more point about this whole fear, uh, abandonment fear and engulfment fear, these two universal fears. Typically... People relate very strongly to one of the two fears. Like I related very strongly to the engulfment fear. A lot of people relate strongly to the abandonment fear. But one of the things I've noticed is that a lot of us have both, but then we're not aware of it because one would be a lot more dominant than the other. So I'll give you an example for myself. You know, like I said, the main of the two fears, the main one I was dealing with most of my adult life was the engulfment fear. And it wasn't until I met my wife-to-be that I got in touch with my abandonment fear. 
because I'd been holding people at a distance so long you know, in my life that I never had a chance to fear, feel my abandonment fear. Plus, for many years, I was never really going for the kind of woman I really wanted to be with. So again, I didn't have the abandonment fear because the stakes didn't feel that high. When I met my wife-to-be, uh, you know, my heart was wide open to her, and I, you know, we fell in love very quickly, and you know, we knew we were soulmates in, by our third date. We ultimately married after nine months. But during the, past the third date, and <laughs> we'd already affirmed that we wanted to marry each other, and, but before we got married, when something happened, um, all of a sudden I got in touch with the fear of her leaving me. So all of a sudden, for the first time in my whole life, I got in touch with my abandonment fear. <laughs> so it took that situation for it to finally come out. Because it was hiding deeply under my engulfment fear. Um, so uh, I've noticed a lot of us have both. But one will tend to be a lot more dominant than the other. And that's the one you deal with most of the time. But lots of times when we meet our ultimate partner, you get in touch with the other one. So Now some people have just are aware that they have both right off the bat. Because they had both abandoning parents and smothering or controlling parents. And they... You know, end up with both fears quite strong, and then you just, you know, you just have to address them both, unfortunately. So, anyway, that's my answer to that question. So, again, if you're uh, online, you're welcome to ta- uh, type your chat messages to me at any time. Uh, and if you've called in, just press star eight to raise your hand, and I'll call in you, which will unmute you, and then uh, we can talk directly. In the meantime, I will go ahead and answer uh, my second uh, email question. So this question says, I wanted to do the work on the non-available parent, and I cannot find a specific event. In other words, a specific memory. My father wasn't there since the age of six because my mom left him and took us with her. I can count on my hand the number of times I saw him because my mom made me ask him to buy me something, uh, which apparently discouraged him from visiting him. My mom was not only not available since day one, birth, but I was a burden for her. I did a lot of healing on that day, including with matrix reimprinting. So if you can please answer my question, how to work with the part of my dad since I cannot recall specific events um, related to him not being available. All right. So an unavailable parent uh, is tricky because it's not always that they're doing something bad to us, right? So like the last question, you know, the, you know, the mother was being really controlling, so they're doing something to us, right? An unavailable parent is more they're absent, Right? They're either completely absent, like Dan, Dad was not even around, or they're physically present, but they're emotionally absent. Right? There's, so there's nothing. It's the, it's the good thing that's missing here. Right? The, it's the love that was missing, the attention that was missing, stuff like that. So with Dad being gone uh, since the age of six, there was a time before then that he was there. I don't know how – you didn't say in your question – if he was emotionally available at all while he was still in the house. Uh, If he was, uh, then with him being gone, that would feel like a huge abandonment. So given that you have, you know, unavailable parents, um, 
Okay, there's a raised hand here. I just want to. I'm going to. I'm going to call in just to find out if you're the person who asked this question. In which case, we'll talk directly. If you're not, I'll. I'll just. I'll uh, put you back on hold and then talk. You know, call on you after this question. Hello. Hi, Stefan. It's Arlette. I'm the one that asked the question. Okay, great, perfect. So you're on the call. Yep. All right. So was your father uh, emotionally available when he was still in the house? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what that means then is, you know, at six years old, you're not going to really understand what's happening. You know, your mom took you away from your father. But this, the main thing for you would be that all of a sudden this man, your father, who you used to feel loved by, is no longer here. Yeah. So that would be hugely abandoning feeling. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the question is what to work on. And the thing to work on is him being gone. So it's like the place to go is to remember where you were when your mo- when your mother first took you away from your father in your new location. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just notice the lack of your dad being there. In touch with how upsetting that would be, how sad that would be, how much you'd miss him, how disturbing it is. Like, I don't understand what's going on, and it's kind of scary. What happened to Dad? Why isn't he here? And and do and do the tapping there. It's like, where is he? Um, uh, can it work if I don't remember, like, if I go back in that time, I don't remember feeling missing him. It's you know, I don't have a lot of memories when I was young at that uh-huh. age. I can remember the first place we were when we left dad, my, uh-huh. my dad's house. But um, uh, it's, I don't remember uh, acknowledging him not being there, you know, anymore. Yeah. See, when things are very upsetting, some kids deal with it by blocking it out. Because if you just think about it in general, just any six-year-old who, anytime a parent, you know, parents split up, that's always that's always very upsetting to to a child. My parents split up when I was eight, and it was very upsetting to me. Um, and particularly in a case like this, where you know one parent takes the kids away, and so suddenly dad is gone, and there's no explanation and things like that. It's it's very freaky. It's very scary for a child. And it might be overwhelmingly scary, so much so that she just kind of blocks it out. And the way you deal with that then is you go back to being six at the new location. And you just kind of you do this whole thing while you're tapping. And so you're tapping and looking around at the new place. So it's like, okay, we've moved here. And you start by just kind of looking around the room you know, wherever you tended to be, like in the living room or the kitchen, wherever you tended to be, and just remember being there. You're tapping. And then seeing your mom doing whatever she's doing. And then looking around and realizing that, wow, dad's not here. Dad's not here. And even if you don't initially, you know, remember feeling bad that he wasn't there, assume that you felt bad and kind of try and bring it up. Like, you know, if you had a loving connection with him before, 
you know, you must have missed that. You can even, if you can remember at all, any, any, even a single memory at any point where you had a, you know, a nice connection with him, then remember that, and then notice that he's not here, and then, you know, you're not going to have that anymore. And if you kind of keep staying with it like that, the feelings usually come up. Okay. Um, I can remember when I was being told that we were going to leave that I started crying and my sister was telling me, well, do you want, like, it wasn't, it wasn't, like, it it was a toxic family. My my father was violent to my mom. And uh, she said, well, do you want it? Like, she was kind of angry at me for crying, like, uh, she made me stop crying. Okay, there you go. There you go. So what happened is that uh, you were made wrong for for feeling your feelings. And so you shut them down. So one of the things you can do uh, in preparation for doing this healing is to actually address your sister shutting you down. Okay. Okay. So... Because you ha- you had the right to cry, just because you know maybe if he was you know abusing your mom, then maybe you know it probably was the best thing for her to do to leave him. But doesn't mean that you didn't have a right to be sad about losing your father. You know that you didn't have a right to cry about it. You know that nobody was being compassionate about your feelings, and so you have a right to get upset with your older sister for shutting you down. It's like, wait a minute, I have a right to cry. Because even though Daddy was mean to Mommy, he was nice to me, and I miss him. You know? Yeah. It's, 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 you, have the, you had the right to have the feelings, and that's, that's why you, I think that's why you shut it, you shut it down and, and blocked it out. It's because you were, you know, because of the reaction of your sister like that. Yeah, Okay. The other thing that I wonder also about my dad uh-huh. is that I don't have a lot of memories. I have the few memories from that I have with him. It's good memories, okay? Yep. Uh-huh. But there was a younger. I was, uh, I was not two years old yet, and he was building something in the house, uh-huh. and something happened that uh, we, you know, it. Um, a handsaw, you know what I, he was working with that, and I ended up having my little finger cut with the, the, with even the bone was cut, and there was, uh, they were able to, to, the doctor were able to um, recuperate it, but I still have, I still have the end of my finger, but I wonder if, you know, like, for a little child like that to be, or, you know, for this thing to be happening, it seems like my father wasn't that much, uh, I don't know. Um, Paying attention. Yeah. Like, uh, how could a baby get up having, getting injured like this? So, I'm yeah. not, I don't know. Blocking from what could have been, you know, I only remember, the I don't remember this event. I was too young. I was told this, but. The only thing I remember is something nice from my dad, which this 
this event doesn't seem to be that much nice. Well, it is, you know, every parent is a mixed bag. So he could have been very loving to you, which are the good memories you have. And he also could have been, you know, not very attentive and wasn't paying attention to what you were doing and then you got and you got hurt. So both things can be true. Okay. Right. Okay. So we we can't yeah. say that well if he let me get hurt then he must not have loved me. He could have loved you and been not attentive. You know, he may not have been good at watching out for, for you. And that's not a good thing. You know, it's a bad thing, but but you can do that and still love the child, right? Just you're just not maybe that great of a parent, you know, in terms of doing everything that you need to do. So it's um, it's not an all or nothing situation, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay, and the other question, if I may, around this sure. is uh, I was told, uh, like, the good memory... I was told the good memories that I have from my dad, it was he felt, because he felt uh, guilty of this happening. Well, that would really discount um, him loving you, if he's doing it just because he felt guilty. <clears throat> I, I, My intuition tells me that he did love you, and that the good memories do not were not just because of guilt. Yeah, that's that's what, that's my sense. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, I mean it's hard to know one for sure one way or the other, but I usually have a pretty good intuition. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I I think he did love you. I think he had his issues. You know, he was mistreating your mother. He obviously had issues. Um. My guess is that those issues would have been done to you once you got older, but you, you know, since he was out of the picture, didn't, uh, those things didn't happen. The problem is, is that, you see, so to go back to your original question, the place where you ideally start is at the initial abandonment, when your mother took you away. And logically, she took you away from him, but for a child, that's not how it feels. The child just feels the separation. It doesn't matter who left, right? Yeah. So you want, to, you want to address it there. And you also want to okay. address the lack of ongoing contact later. Because, okay. you know, we don't know for sure why he didn't stay in your life afterwards. But the reality is, is he didn't. So you grew up pretty much without a father. Yeah. It's not like you're born without one, right? I mean, he was there the first six years of your life. Mm-hmm. And you had a good enough connection with him that you're crying to leave him, you know, to, to to move away from him. Yeah. And then he was pretty much gone. You say you can count on one hand the number of times you saw him. So it almost that almost makes it worse. You got to see him a few times, so you knew he was alive, you know. But there was very little contact. So again, it's something that's missing. So what you want to get in touch with is something you probably, again, try to block out, which is how little you saw him. And you want to go, But you want to do the opposite. You want to go back to remembering how little you saw him. Like, kind of like, you can think, one way to do it is to remember one of the times you did see him and kind of remember mm-hmm. the visit 
and then remember a whole bunch of time going by without another one. So you can start by remembering one of the infrequent visits with him just to help with the contrast. Like, okay, I did see him, and now months have gone by and I haven't seen him again. So there's that abandonment. And if you do matrix reimprinting, you know, we can, you know, you can change your history. You mentioned matrix in the in your question. Um, okay. So, so you want to address it at, you know, at the initial abandonment, the initial separation, and and then the later, you know, lack of him being in your life because that's kind of a second abandonment. You want to address both of them. Okay. And to address that my sister didn't allow me to be sad. Right. Yeah, you definitely want to address that. Because that, that blocked you from being able to to get into your feelings and that wasn't okay. Okay. You have a right and so standing up to her, getting angry at her for you know, getting mad at you for crying and reasserting your right to having your own feelings, I think will be healthy and helpful for you in your life in general. Because that would start a pattern where you started feeling like, you know, my feelings aren't okay in my relationships. So we don't want that to be the case. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Stefan. Yeah. yeah you're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So good luck with all that. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So, uh we have uh, some other people who are listening. Sometimes I get people who just want to listen and they don't really have questions. So, And that's perfectly fine. But I want to give you an opportunity now. If you have a question for me, you know, go ahead and type it to me in the chat room, uh, using the chat box, I mean. And uh, otherwise, that's all the email questions I've got. And... Um, And yeah, well, we'll end the call. So I'm going to give it one minute. And if I don't get any new questions, uh, we'll go ahead and end the call. Uh, Arlette, if you want to ask another question, you actually are, you know, you're on the call on the on the phone, so we can talk directly. And you're welcome to ask another one too. And, and we have an hour here on the call, so you're, you're you're welcome to ask as many questions as will fit into the hour. So if you want to ask another question, hit star 8, waiting for the online people to do a chat. Okay, good. So you have another question? <laughs> okay. So let's try the next question. Okay. <clears throat> it's about um, – um, God, I forgot my question. <laughs> um, it's the subject that you submitted. Um, sorry, um, you you have to unmute me because I I don't remember my question. I know I have another one, but right now I'm uh, I'm blocked. You're blocked. Do you remember the topic? Yeah. <laughs> um, it was about. No, nobody else uh, is typing any questions. So if you don't have a question now, we'll we'll just be ending the call. So. Okay. Um, yeah. Give me a second, maybe, uh, if, if I can find it again. It was about... Um, oh, what I'll do, I, I, I will send it. I will write. It will come back to me later, and I will send you an email. 
because I, I don't remember it right now. All right. Well, I, actually, I don't have time to answer email questions unless they're super brief. That's, that's why I do the Q&A calls, is, is I, so I have this block of time to answer questions. So um, if you remember now, that would be great, and I can answer it. Okay. Um, now, there are going to be a whole bunch of... Oh, yes, of, I remember. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> what is it's it? It's about, um, you know, being afraid of... Um, either abandonment or uh, the other one. I don't know how you say it in English. Yeah, yes, engulfment. Engulf. Um, I had a really toxic, my last relationship was really toxic. Uh -huh. And <clears throat> I think I'm kind of being afraid of another <clears throat> relationship now. So could that be the fear of engulfment again? Um, because well, that me, doesn't sound like a fear of engulfment. That sounds like you're you're what we what we say in the U.S. that you're gun shy. You're afraid of getting hurt again. You're afraid of getting this you know another bad experience like the last one. Okay. So this is actually a good general point. Lots of times when we have really painful relationships as an adult, once the relationship is ended, um, we, it can leave us afraid of repeating that experience. Like you say, it's a toxic relationship and, and it can leave you feeling like, you know, really scared of, you know, meeting somebody who seems great initially and then it being horrible again. And the and that can keep us from having another relationship and we can we can it can really block us because we're just because we may not even be totally aware of that fear, but it's there in the background. So it makes us kind of shy away from can involve with new people. And the way you address that is you need to tap on the last relationship. Tap on the experience that you had um, and heal it. So until it's until you've you've gotten to a place where there's no more pain when you think about their, that relationship anymore. So if you can think about that relationship with no more pain, then you're not going to be afraid of repeating it. It's it's the leftover pain that keeps us afraid. Once we've cleared the pain, then we stop being afraid. Okay. Great. Good. Well, lots of work to do. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Well, I'm very glad that it you, that it's helping you. That's that's really wonderful. <laughs> Thank you very much, Stefan. Yeah, you're very welcome. Okay. All right then. Well, I think uh, I guess that will wrap it up for today. Now it turns out that. Uh, I'm launching my product again to uh, – I'm kind of going – you may have noticed the email. I'm going through a product launch, a program launch, and I'm going to be launching the product. And each time I launch the product, I do uh, four Q&A calls in one month as a little extra bonus as part of a launch. So there's going to be uh, four Q&A calls starting um, – when is it starting? Starting uh, – April April 26th. There'll be another one this month, and then four weeks in a row after that. So there'll be lots of opportunities for questions, and uh, probably a lot more people on the call because there's going to be a big influx of new people. It'll be very interesting. So anyway, I uh, hope this was always helpful for you today, and I'll see you on the next Q&A call. And you know, I really encourage you guys to stick with this program. And 
address all these blocks so that you can ultimately be with the love of your life. It is totally possible if you stick to this. Thanks, and bye, guys. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.